The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Today it's Jeff Erickson of Rotowire. I'm so excited to have you here. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time. Of course. Uh, you know, I I love talking with you, Nick. You're fun. You're vibrant. You do good mm. things for the community. Um, you've made a big footprint in our fantasy baseball community, you and Alex. It's great. I love it. Nope, nope. Not going to allow this. Uh, this is about <laughs> you today uh, and all the amazing things that you've done. You know, we've said it before and I'll say it again. We're standing on the shoulders of giants. You've given us this amazing platform and community to to be a part of, especially right when we showed up. You're like, oh, great. This is awesome. Another Another uh, cool crew to hang out and talk sports with us and really set the tone for us as we talked about it with our community. So cannot thank you enough. Uh, before we begin, um, I just want to say I just did the most embarrassing thing ever by going live and not realizing I was live and then canceling it and then doing it a second time. So excited yeah. for that. Uh, but that's all part of the process. But all right, before we go into the main main podcast, talking everything about you, I want first to hear the things that you do now for those that aren't possibly familiar with what you do. Okay, sure. Uh, well, I'm overexposed, first of all. Uh, <laughs> today, for instance, did the baseball podcast, 7.30 this morning with Fred and I, Fred Zinke and I, and then I did the XM show with Liz from 9 to 11. This is all uh, West Coast time. Uh we got. Uh, I'm having look, looking forward to doing this conversation. After this, I'm doing a golf podcast with Jeff oh, Ritter, who's awesome, and and Scott Jensen, who is equally awesome. Uh, and then finally, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing a new one today. I'm doing. Uh, it's uh, Rob Troutman is running. It's called, and I'm, I'm going to make sure I get the name right here. It's the. Uh, uh, it is the Sports on Tap podcast. Now that's just I'm, I'm a guest on that one, but looking forward to that. Uh, but I talk a lot. That's what I do. I do. About five XM shows a week and about six podcasts a week, plus whatever guest things I get in a given week. Nice. And uh, and it sounds like you do a lot of sports. I didn't even know you did golf. Uh, yeah. I, I've never played golf in my life, uh, and I don't know if that's ever going to change. Play or play uh, fantasy or play for real life? Oh, not, not, miniature golf. You know, okay. I, I, can, I can do that. The, the clubs are never long enough for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I do an amazing squat as I do it. But um, how many sports are you involved in? Uh, so let's see. I do one golf league I've been doing for 20 years, 22 years, I think oh, now. My. It's an auction league with uh, 14 of us. We uh, auction off nine golfers, start five. Uh, like Peter Shanky's in it, uh, Scott Pianowski's in it, and a bunch of Rotowire guys are friends of Rotowire, as we like to call them. Um, we do uh, one hockey league, it's a keeper league, one hoops league, um, college league that I'm in. So I, I do a bunch of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, I coach soccer. I don't play fantasy soccer, but I coach my daughter still. I love coaching. 
Coaching is still the best thing ever. I know you coach hoops. It really is. And, it's so great. Yeah. And you've been doing that for how long? This is year 12. Oh, that's amazing. This would have been, um, this past winter would have been year 10, obviously. Uh, COVID yeah. stopped my, my basketball coaching. I, I do want to talk a bit about that. Um, do you remember your first season coaching and I yeah. guess the, the traps that you fell into and what was expected out of you? Well, yeah, especially because I thought I was signing up to be an assistant coach. Like, no, no, you're going to be the head coach here. <laughs> and, you know, AYSO is actually really good at trying to train you. But at the same time, it's like, oh, I don't really know anything about soccer, really, even. Right. And I had a good, a couple of good assistant coaches. And uh, one of my assistants, she's like, okay, why don't you break them into three groups? Because we're talking, you know, you get like 12 to 14 five-year-olds just trying to herd the cats and trying to do them all at once. Oh, it's crazy, especially with someone that has very little experience. But it was great. We had a fun little team called the Stingers. We had yellow uniforms. Mm Uh, and I joined a fantasy football league of my, one of my assistants that year. He is, Oh, you do rotowire. Oh, you got to get in my league. And I can't tell you how many times that happens, but, and I usually say yes every time, but, uh, cause I'm great. You know, it's the people you're going to become friends with the long term, And that's right. the best thing about this job is it's, it's become so relatable and, you know, you make great friends through various walks, whether it's first pitch Arizona, whether it's the league you're in, all that good stuff. No, I couldn't agree more about it. I uh, so so I just want to understand this. You, you started when you're well, you were coaching five year olds. Yeah. Oh my, I can't even imagine. Look, I, I do thirteen, fourteen because I feel like it's the easiest one to coach. They're very malleable. They they see me. I'm not a mm-hmm. a dad. Instantly, right. so they go, oh yeah, all right, great. I like this coach already. I don't even need to do anything, and I'm instantly having the respect, right? But five, I mean, it's just how do you how do you do that? And you've done it for I assume this is following the same age group through I guess twelve years now, or have you found your own group? They like know what. Well, I'm, I'm always coaching my kids, right? I have a 16, soon to be 17 year old. I have two girls, and the other one's a 14 year old. I have two high school girls this year. It's kind of crazy that that fact in and of itself. But uh, right. I've always coached. At, at some points, I was coaching both of them. We'd have two on different teams, and so I, I do double coaching those years. My older one doesn't play anymore, uh, so it's just my younger daughter. But it, it's awesome. And the thing is. Met a lot of great people, had some experiences. You know, there's this whole world of AYSO. It's not just, okay, you play a couple months in the fall, you're done. No, then there's all-stars. Then there's spring soccer. Then there's yeah. tournament season as they get older. I mean, it's like nine, ten months out of the year if you want it to be. And it's been awesome. You know, you, you, I, I really love tournament season. I love going out to various points. And you get to hang out for the day with these kids and, then, you know, with the parents. And then that night you stay at a hotel or whatever, or you come back the next day, depending on the location. But just that that sense there and you know it's memories my kid's gonna remember forever like she loves tournaments she loves the getting the tacos between games because they're usually yeah. there's and the thing is southern california you get these like mom and pops you know street taco vendor that's selling uh, tacos at, at the tournament venue and they're awesome uh yeah. it's it's great you know it's just all, always stuff like that that you're gonna remember and of course the games itself I kind of have a mind for remembering details of that. You know, I can remember who scored what goal, what coaching mistake I made. Usually the losses, I remember than the wins. But. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. I remember the timeouts I didn't call or yeah. uh, I, I put in this guy instead of this guy. It's just, oh, so many of those. Oh, I should have made this adjustment. Why didn't we foul at this point? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's the only way, of course, to get better. But uh, so, I mean, now I guess you're you're, you're still doing it, correct? Uh, yep. And that, that would be about 14 years old then. 
Yeah, so my yeah, my younger one's 14. I'll be uh, doing 16U is what it's called. So four, yeah, basically 14s and 15-year-olds, uh, they turn 16 in the course of the season, some of them. So, But last spring, so we had a season just this past spring where we were able to get a season uh, in just locally, uh, but they merged 14s and 16s. So I had sixth graders and sophomores. I mean, it was a wide, wide range, and that was wild. I mean, I had the tiniest little sixth grader sweet kid and then had some sophomores that were already jaded a little bit too. And you're not right, jaded, right. but you know, you reach them different ways. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that, it was, it was a ch- fun challenge, but the fact is we were able to pull off a season and that was really cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and so as your, you know, as your kids get older, are you going to stick around? Are you going to continue coaching after? I don't know if I will or not. I might, I might coach my uh, niece and nephew, or I might just, volunteer in the region and if they need a, an extra coach i'm also a ref too so i'll probably do a little bit of that you know stay involved somehow i, I feel a little bit of gratitude towards the organization never realized how cool aso is and I, i'm a big big proponent of ayso i'll be honest if uh if you were my ref in a game i would just feel so honored <laughs> I, I, I would feel like i had to stay in until line. i screw up and then yeah. I'll, until i mess up and then you'll be and i will mess up by the way because every ref screws up every coach screws up you right. know well, this is, I mean, this is a conversation I have to have every year. Um, it's, it is so hard to be a ref in any sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would, I do it in basketball. I can't really speak so much to soccer because I avoided it as a kid. My head was too far away from my feet, I would say. So I just, I was just terrible at it. And, but like in basketball, for example, I mean, we yell at the TV for the NBA finals of just how could this ref mess it up. Then below that is right. college basketball. Below that is high school. And below that is me doing 13, 14 rec basketball. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to explain this to, to my team every year. There's always one game where, you know, it, it, the refs were terrible and everything, and they get really upset about that. And the lesson I always, always try to, to teach there is, like, guys, like, that can't be how it affects you on the court. You can only do it so much. And, yeah, they're never going to be that great, and that can never be you know, what you take away from this game. It's so hard. I This is me, like, trying the best I can not to get upset at refs in games because it's hard not to, but you feel like something's taken away from you. But, uh, you know, I'm sure you'd be great, and I'm sure if you make miss a call, you miss a call, and that's okay. They accept it, right? No one ever yells at you. No, no, it's it's totally fine. You know, I, I haven't had teams saying, oh, God, we got you again. Because I had to ref the same team twice in a tournament. And boys, and I coach girls, but then I have to ref these boys because they want to make sure we're not, like, tainting the pool or whatever. Right. Like, oh, yeah. These guys. And they're just, you know, they, they've never done anything wrong. And, I, of course, I was completely right. My, my call was exquisite. But, uh, no. you know, and the funny thing is – and. Th- we say this now, but then you'll see me. I'll be like the one doing like the the screenshot of the bad Angel Hernandez and all that, or, or <laughs> Brian, you know, like robot umpire now. But well, uh, okay, so so robot r- robot umps are a uh, obviously a popular topic. I think I have the solution for how to implement it. Do you have a certain way of doing it that you believe in uh, when it comes to robo umps? No, I, I just I think they're a good idea at least to try out, and I like that. Certainly, like Atlantic League has tried them out before. I'd like to hear yours, though. Well, it's I want a challenge system. I think that's the best solution because mm-hmm. I think in baseball we want to have this. Uh, we want the humanity to still be alive. I think that's such an important part of it. I call baseball the most human game there is, mm-hmm. uh, and because you have so much failure essentially, and umps and the way that you know you're working an umpire that kind of thing is actually an element of the game that a lot of people talk about. But I want there to be a challenge system where there is something telling the umpire this is a ball or a strike on any given count 
on any given pitch, but they're just not accessing it. And then the pitcher twice a game, if you're a starter, gets the challenge and you have two fails, you know, or two wrong challenges. What about a batter, though? Does a batter get that chance? Yeah, they get one a game, each batter. Uh, And if they fail, if they like challenge and they lose it, then they lose it. So the the ump will have like a headphone so he doesn't have to go over to the monitor and all that. Exactly. Or even that, or they even just have a thing on their side. That's just like they press it and it goes green or red and they go, okay, strike or ball. And that's it. You know, done. It's that simple. It doesn't need to be this long drawn out thing. We don't need to do like the tennis stuff where I remember we challenge it. We got to wait 30 seconds. We wait for the camera to come and it does it. Literally, it has it ready and the umpire accesses it or not. Okay, we're done. Move on. Tennis works really well now, though. Oh, does it? I haven't watched it. Yeah. Like so, okay. So I, I played tennis in high school, so I was, oh, re- nice. I'm, I'm into that. Uh, but you know, it's just, it takes like 10 seconds, five seconds. Right. And you know, it's also the easiest sport to officiate because it's either in or it's out. Right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and you, if you have the cameras, it can go down to the tiniest little granular level. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a little space. Okay. It's out. Um, so where is it a challenge so, system or is it automatic? It is a challenge system. And I, I think I shouldn't, I might not speak out of turn here, but uh, I, th- I believe it is. And there, there, there's multiple challenges per set. I think it's a, on a per set basis mm-hmm. and it, it works. Right. Uh, I, I find it, it, it's something that uh, works out quite well. Yeah. It's uh, that's all you need. And I think like people have seen rubber umps and there are times when like there's a curveball that just barely nips the bottom of the zone, but it lands in the dirt and nobody would ever in their right mind call it a strike, but the robo hump would say yes or something like that. Because it passed through in the strike yeah, zone. Yeah, but it's just the... Uh, yes, but it seems weird. Where is the strike zone relative to? Is it the front of the plate? Is it not? Because we make contact in front. There's there's a lot of weird things about it. Uh, and I imagine a pitcher throwing that and it like falls into the dirt or lands on the plate, they won't challenge it and no one will be upset. You know, the robo ump automatically doing that would only appease the robo ump and nobody else. Uh, so yeah, if you have a challenge true. system, you're able to actually make it more of a smooth, like, okay, I feel like this is not justified. I can actually get my justice or not. And that's all we want, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, that's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so you played tennis in high school. I assume you played some soccer then. No, I was terrible. I played two years as a kid. I was horrible. I never <laughs> scored a goal. Um, I, I was like, you know, there's certain kids like, you know, when you're coaching, okay, where can I put her that? doesn't she doesn't get exposed right sure, well yeah. i was that kid in soccer uh right. I, as a player uh, i've actually been i'm a better player in my aso also does a, an adult league where you can play if you volunteer in the re- the region you can play so if you're a coach you're a ref you know administrator you can do that and so on sunday nights we'll play and play 11 v 11 ref everything subs all that you know, sore as hell the next day uh but i've actually been better there than i was as a kid oh nice oh, that's yeah that's cool Maybe one day I'll be okay at soccer. I, I just remember as a kid, like I was a little bit bigger than everybody else. And mm-hmm. I had, I can kick with my left foot. So they always took me on like the left wing or whatever. Well, there you and go. That was that. But that was when I was like seven. I'm talking. Are you left handed? Absolutely not. I wish I was, Jeff. I am. Oh. It's great. I love it. I'm so jealous. I'm so- it, for tennis. It's awesome. It, <laughs> oh, it's such an so, advantage, yeah. right. uh, especially because, you know, and I played a little bit here and there still. And, with our group of friends, no one else is left-handed. So they see it only against me and that's it. Yeah. So then it's just this this weird moment. All of a sudden they don't know how to deal with it. Oh man. Uh, Yeah. I I wish I was a lefty for college and and pitching and everything like that. Yeah. It seemed like, Oh, I want another advantage as if I didn't have enough in life. So 
Right. I, I, I'm I'm all right being right-handed, I guess now. Um, but did you touch other sports too? Any basketball? Yeah. I grew up in Indiana, so it was required. Oh, um, of course, yeah. You know. uh, but my neighborhood, there there was one guy's house. I was the uh, basketball. They had a good square basketball court, so we always played pickup basketball there. Nice. Um, Square driveway, I should say, for that. Right, but yeah. uh, my, I had a pretty good sized yard, so we played wiffle ball and football in my yard. Another guy had his house abut the creek, so we'd go exploring down the creek. There it was a, it was a good little neighborhood for that. But yeah, I played baseball. We played some touch football. I played basketball. I play. I, I tried to play everything. So, so what was the dream of young Jeff uh, for for I was all, What were you gonna do? Work in sports somehow. I had okay. no idea, but work in huh? sports. And so, I gave up the ghost. I went to law school, took a sports law class. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, you know, at least it, from what I was expecting, at least, right. which I don't know if that was fair. Uh, I did. Uh, it was a, and it was sports and entertainment law. And it turns out it was more entertainment law than sports mm, law. Sure. Uh, but I played in fantasy leagues on the, you know, at this time. And Peter Shanky comes up to me, you know, at one point and he goes, I have this idea, you know, you know how, most newspapers are now getting online. We always look for the, like the Chicago newspapers to get the, the inside info on the Cubs and the White Sox, but we'd have to wait till Tuesday or Wednesday for USA Today to get the little nuggets for out-of-town nuggets. Well, we can start getting this now uh, and beat beat everybody the news by two days. I know you do well in our leagues. I've got this great business idea. Herb, our third guy, he's he, uh, Herb Elk. He's the third original founding partner of Roto News slash Rotowire. He, he's the tech guy. He wants to build a website. Let's do this. Like, okay. And then we'll do this on the side. Hopefully it works out. And it just picked up. Oh, that's awesome. So this, it was founded by you three then. Yeah. 97. Oh, that's amazing. And yeah. uh, so what were you doing right away? What was like the first task that you had that you were public about? Baseball notes. Uh, it's just like, you know, updating who's on the roster. We started in January 97, just trying to find out who's signing where doing like updates on the players and, you know, trying to, and then put together, make sure the rosters were right. Uh, of course, you know, we do it so quickly now, whereas right. in the past it t- took a lot. You'd be two days behind. Oh, this guy got called up still. We'd still be a couple days behind, even with all that is the funny thing. Sure. And here I am angrily refreshing at 11 a.m. But come on, is Luzardo starting today? Please get your right. get the schedule rotation right now. Um, by the way, that is the one like I am just so amazed by your um, the starting pitching schedule you guys have. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks. It's uh, you guys did such a great job. I imagine it's also, I mean, there must be someone tasked every single day. Like that's what you have to do, right? That must oh yeah, be it. oh yeah. With, when you do breaking news for baseball, and I mean, one of the things is you do, you do the update, make sure that the projected starter grids update, updated. And meanwhile, we have someone that oversees that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got to get a shout out to uh, Jason and Darren Brown. They've been writing for us since like two thousand, maybe nineteen ninety nine, even. Oh wow. uh, And. They're not full-time employees, uh, twin brothers. Uh, they came up with the idea for the projected starters grid. They're the ones that populated it initially. It's because of them that we have that tool. And it's it's a great tool. It, it really, really is. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I I am just so obsessed with the whole creation of it, right? You go from, mm-hmm. okay, you want to make Roto News. You know, you just say, here's a quicker way to get your information than waiting for the paper two days later. Yeah, and you guys since have made so much progress in the industry and really set uh, you know as a foundation for everybody else to help build on. Um, do you remember the steps along the way, like the the first major moment that you realized, oh, okay, this is working, and now we can expand? Well, the f- the first time we we really thought, oh, this is really catching on. John Hunt did a screenshot of us in Baseball Weekly, and if you, I don't know how uh, far you go back in Baseball Weekly, that was 
the source though for fantasy mm-hmm. like he was the man he's he was matthew berry before there was matthew berry sure. uh, except it was for baseball only and it was print only but if he paid attention to you it it, it was it was huge our right. our traffic would like double uh, triple quintuple even uh when he did this he gave us like three or four mentions in his column in the fir- in our first year Oh, man. which was just awesome. Yeah. And when that happened, you could see the spike in traffic. And, and then we started getting advertisers coming to us saying, you know, can we advertise on your site? And it was like, yeah, because that's, and that we thought went, we can make a living. Cause remember internet, 1997, 98, oh, 99. Yeah. Yeah. Like internet advertising is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, this is when Amazon was first starting. Oh, they're never going to make it. Uh, but <laughs> you know, that, that sort of thing, but it was wild. And then we got bought out. Uh, we got bought out in 99. Uh, and we were at this inflection point. We're either going to have to get funding for to pay for more serving servers better, you know, to, to handle all the traffic we were getting and how right. to grow to the next step. We're going to have to sell or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, merge with somebody. We I think we talked with CBS at the time. And we got instead got bought up by this company called Broadband Sports. Uh, they did a site called Athletes Direct. They did a Sports Writers Direct thing as well, uh, which w- previously was another company run by a guy named Frank Cooney. He does a lot of good stuff. Um, and the thing is, it didn't work. It, it just didn't work at the time. They didn't have the revenue model necessarily. But so they died in the first internet bubble in 2001. As we as internet advertising started to drop off started to realize okay you need more than just traffic you need to do something with that traffic right right oh man and then so so i mean i'm just thinking about it from from now 20 years later from there it it there's so many opportunities for people like me to have a site that doesn't demand you know getting vc or getting bought out right uh, because you know i work with a company called ad thrive for example mm-hmm. they say great nick let it give us control of certain things on the site and we'll have ads on there and then you get a cut of that and there you go done it's yeah there is your revenue model in many ways or you know there's a lot of people using patreon to say great support yeah. this you get x y and z um those things didn't actually exist really i want to say even seven years ago or so i know even it's crazy this it's it, people are recognizing oh right the more that we create services that allow uh, users to support their creators uh, it, it's so fast and quick and how much it's turned around. And I can't even imagine. I mean, yeah, you guys are, are building this thing that's working. It's great, but you don't have the tool set to really get the most out of it. So, so yeah, when that bubble hit um, and you sold, you said that you sold, correct? So we sold in 99 and then in February of 2001, broadband sports went out of business. Right. And they tried to sell us off, but they didn't do that right. And Basically, every deal that could possibly happen fizzled. So we went back on our own. We kind of saw the writing on the wall as things were going, too. So we were kind of prepared. And so we couldn't get our old URL back. That's why we switched from Roto News to Roto Wire. Um, And so relaunched as Roto Wire. About six months, eight months down the line, we realized, okay, this is not working just ad-based. Let's put up a donation link and see what happens. Right. And there, I forget the name of the donation service, but it it was kind of common. It was starting to become common then. And man... The, the response was overwhelming. And a lot of people within the donation said, I was wondering when you're going to do this and when are you going to start charging? I will pay for your service. Right, like, right. Okay. And, you know, we, that, that was a game changer for us because we may not have survived. Uh, in fact, we would not have survived without that. Uh, and it changed everything. People will pay for content if it's good content. That's that's just incredible. It must have been so overwhelming to see, okay, guys, I'm, we're going to put this up. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. And- 
You just see the flood of support instantly come in. Do you remember where you were when that happened? Just in the office. Uh, just, you know, we had an office in Culver City. And, um, yeah, uh, it, it, it was just, okay, wow. I, I was hoping to get some. Now I see, okay, this is this is defining the path for us. And it wasn't just me. It was more Peter, actually, that was kind of pushing this direction. And once we went down that, and by that point, we had had Chris Liss and Tim Schuler as partners, too. So there are now five of us as the principals of the company. Right. And really, is. We were skipping paychecks. We were getting half paychecks, quarter paychecks. We were barely scraping by. 2001 was a tough year. I got engaged a year later than I would have wanted to because I couldn't afford a ring. Hmm. And it was basically because of that. But you know what? Again, it, it wasn't. I didn't miss too many meals. I was still fine. But at the same time, you know, we were we were this close. And uh, you know, I was gonna, starting to think, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, do I have to go get my law license again? You know, I have to refresh that because I, I graduated law school in 97, 96 passed the bar, but never practiced. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to California, I didn't get the California license and I didn't want to have to. So I was very happy that that worked out. Oh, that's amazing. And I'm at some point too, along that way, you start expanding off. You actually create a membership system. You guys, mm-hmm. uh, you guys started doing all these things. Uh, when did you start working, say, with Sirius XM? Um, about 15, 16 years ago. Uh, so they, when they launched the baseball channel, they brought us aboard. We were one of the original shows on that channel. And it was just on XM. It was before the Sirius XM merger. And so they launched MLB Home Plate. Uh, they they bid, They had a couple different companies bid for it. And we get, happened to win it, despite us never having any experience hosting radio at all. Just being guests here and there randomly. <laughs> it's, just, it's more because of our reputation in the fantasy sports industry. Right. So we had already kind of built that up a little bit, which was nice. Uh and I was our baseball guy. So it was Chris, Chris and myself that hosted the shows. I did most of them. I had a co-host, a minder, if you will, a veteran radio guy named Phil Wood. He uh, is big in the D.C. and Baltimore area. And he wasn't a fancy guy at all, but he was a baseball guy. Mm-hmm. Very nice to me, though. He gave me a lot of good hosting tips. But And he'd set me up. Anytime he tried to give the fancy advice, it wasn't great. But, you know, he, he knew radio. And so he kind of got me on that path a little bit there, which was really cool. Oh, that's, that's everyone needs that, you know, yeah. that, that person to say, Hey, look, okay, this is, these are the ropes. Let me show them to you. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and really let you feel comfortable to allow you do your thing, uh, on the radio. I mean, it, it's, you know, I remember joining this in 2014, really 2015, really kind of jumping in and figuring out what the, the scope of things were. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, all I remember is right. Oh yeah. Jeff Erickson podcast. That's like, okay. Hey, this is. The, I think they're even calling you the 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 Godfather of baseball podcasts or fancy baseball podcasts, something like that. Uh, you know what? The, what's funny is I wasn't even doing all of our podcasts. It was more Derek Van Riper that did more podcasts oh, yeah, than sure. I did. He's the one that kind of pushed us in that direction. Now he's doing great stuff for the athletic, right? Um, and but no, Derek was the one that was ahead on the technology side. I did the radio work but i didn't do a whole lot on the on the side podcast side until about three years ago and i really started doing a lot more of it now mm. and i love it i'm glad i do it but i wish i would have really done fun, it sooner isn't it it's, it's a yeah. good time you just, yeah just sit back talk to good people about things you enjoy it's uh it's a lot of fun and i mean it sounds like you you know you've been juggling everything with this right you know when mm-hmm. you jump into something like road to wire you just like, okay all hands on deck we'll figure out uh you know what we're gonna get done um you know, as as I do pitcher lists, there's always different things that I think, oh, you know what? 
we're going to go off and do this now. I think this is a cool thing for us to go and add. Right. Or I, uh, or we're going to shift things around. We might want to start doing yeah Twitch now, or we're going to nice. have Patreon where we have our Discord where people hang out. Right. Yeah. Um, what would you say is a decision that you guys made that was like, okay, this really changed things at RotoWire? Well, definitely the the revenue model that was right I mean, that saved us. Uh, you know, I, I think. You know, we took a long time to uh, adopt DFS. It took us a while to get into that. But when we did, uh, th- that was huge for us. You know, just trying adding each successive ad, like trying to whatever, whether it's podcast, doing radio was huge for us. Doing Sirius and XM, I mean, it got us so much more exposure. And yeah. just every day and the, the reach that we couldn't possibly get just being online and, you know, getting into people's cars and, you know, wh- wherever you access it now. And now that you get that on the app a lot more now, too. Um, that was massive. Uh, you know, I don't know if there is a single silver bullet, but every time we add something, it, it's huge. And that's one thing I love now. Well, sports gambling is going to be the big thing now, too. I mean, oh, of course, gaming is just massive. Yep. Uh, and the funny thing is, we danced around that for years and over a decade. Oh, fantasy isn't gambling. Gambling isn't fantasy. None shall meet. They not, they shall not meet. And now it's like, oh yeah, yeah. But you never know. That that's you just got to figure out the right solution for it, right? Mm-hmm. The exact thing that uh, I keep going back and forth on it of of what I want to do. That's just different than say like Osimo or uh, you know uh, uh, what Roto Writers does. There are a lot of different services for DFS. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I want to create something if I'm going to jump into that, that is something different. At the same time, I I also need to recognize, hey, if we do something, we do something right. There are, I'm sure, users that use RotoWire, use Pitcherless that trust the brand enough so that, they, hey, cool, this is comfortable to me. I'm, I'm more comfortable sticking around here than going to those other ones anyway. So there's always a little bit of a wrestle. Like when you add new features... It's not always about being the best and the one that defines it. It's about, hey, this is this is good in quality and this will help you for those that are looking for that here too. Uh, I certainly get, you know, wrapped up in trying to be an right. absolute perfectionist and sometimes you just don't have to be. And then the, you start to wonder like, okay, how do we improve this? You know, we do this, but how can we get better at this? You know, we don't have, do we have that, that one player that really gets it, you know? And right, right. Arguably, that's still something you're, you're, you're trying to find here and there. How can I get better at this? How can I get better at this game? I mean, I haven't, I barely, I, I barely get by in the NF, NFPC main event. How can I get better at this? You know, there's right, right. so many. And the thing is, it's the game's a lot harder than it ever used to be. Oh, I mean, the information is out there. There's so many different sources of it. It's widely available, uh, and that's something that didn't used to be the case. And adjusting to that reality, yet you still see some people that are year after year really damn good at this and how can i get better yeah it's 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 startling really um mm-hmm. <laughs> i used to be able to predict um i have, I have a silly game of, of around now in august and september trying to you know I, I talk about a guy that i like and go oh i can't wait to get him late in drafts next year because back mm-hmm. in 2014 no one would know who sunny gray was or Danny right, right. Lazar, if you remember that name Oh my gosh! Yes, uh, and yeah, uh, never came to fruition. But anyway, I would always say, "Oh yeah, I'll be." I'm excited to get them around pick 200 or so, and then I go and see the two early mocks, and the guy's going like 70. Yeah, yeah and I just, all the time. Like, this is just not what the world is anymore. Um, everyone knows everyone for the most part, and uh, it makes the game a lot different uh, than it used to be. But I'm not going to go down that path. I want I want to steer us away 
from uh, from Fantasy Baseball, from RotoWire a little bit. I want to know more about Jeff. Okay. Jeff Erickson. And uh, away from sports, uh, what would you say your, your biggest hobby is? Uh, it could be music. It could be a TV, film. It could be the arts. Uh, it could be hiking. What would you say that is for you? I mean, I play sports too i mean i'm I'm, it's, I'm not that interesting i think that's the problem Get but no here, uh, jeff come on um i enjoy poker i'm gonna try, okay. I'll try to yep. play tonight uh my my family's they every every summer they take a little trip to uh big bear and so they're away so it's a chance for me to get away uh we just got a dog so now i'm spending a lot of time oh, with really? him he's a good boy what kind uh, of dog He's kind of a golden retriever, but he, he's a rescue. So he's estimated to be mostly a golden retriever, about a year old. Uh, yeah, I, I'm taking him like three, four walks a day. He loves his walks. Every time I put on shoes, go near shoes, you know, look at him. He thinks it's walk oh time. God. So, you know, but that's cool. Um, I love so to golf. Jealous. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I can't get over the dog because I live that's in a cool. two-bedroom apartment in New York City. And I've been so tempted to get a dog for every day probably in the last five years and i would want a dog like that i would want like a larger dog and yeah. i wouldn't feel right having having them without a yard or in just a larger house so it's tough in the to city live, yeah. i need to live vicariously through you okay uh, and what's what's the name of your dog harley he's a good boy oh, harley, my girls oh. named him yeah <laughs> he uh yeah he you know the thing is like and, and I think this happened in a lot of places I was reading it, but it definitely happened in California. You know how at the start of COVID, everybody wanted to adopt a dog and course, yeah. started, you know, these lockdowns and quarantines and all that. Um, unfortunately, the flip side is a lot of people were returning dogs to shelters yeah, right. in this last three to six months. So it was a good time for us to jump in. We tried to get, I had a golden retriever as a kid, a great family dog. I want to get, we tried to go through like a golden retriever rescue service. It's harder to adopt a golden retriever than as a kid. Some, I, I think it, it really oh, wow. is. We have, we have a couple of cats and they would always hold that against us. They, they had this service came to our house. Okay. Let's look at your backyard. Let's look at here. Oh, your cats are inside. Hmm. How's that going to work? Ended up never happening. We gave a donation to their service and all that. And no. So instead my, my wife works for the city of LA. She has a coworker that used to uh, like work in one of the shelters and so that coworker would send emails like periodically. Oh, these are the dogs that are available from this shelter. Come rescue one. She fell in love with Harley. So went out and visited him. It's like, I know this is really horrible timing. We've got a 7,000 things going on, but he's available now. Okay, fine. And I had to convince the girls uh, because especially my younger daughter is attached to our cats. And you want to make sure mm-hmm. the cats aren't displaced. And they are kind of displaced, uh, unfortunately. But we're working on that. Cats and dogs living together. It's not just a cliche, apparently. Uh, but, uh, you know, we got him and he's a good boy. He's a really good boy. He's just he's a boy still, though. He's still sure. very hyper, yeah. nips, literally nips at our heels when he's excited. He can't <laughs> help himself. But, you know, we're giving him a good place to live. At least. Oh, he sounds wonderful. But I'm sorry I interrupted you. Uh, you play a lot of no. golf, you said. Yeah, I like to do that. Not nearly as interesting. I'm an avid but mediocre <laughs> golfer. Uh been golfing. I try to golf on Fridays. I'm off on Fridays, mm-hmm. although I'm not really off, but I'm, as much as I'm going to be off. Um, and then, you know, every year I go on a golf trip with my buddies. I met from college. My brother goes on this trip and kind of expanded to contracted over the years. But it's usually 12 to 16 of us. This will be year 25, 26 for this trip uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. So uh, that's a that's a big thing for me, too. Oh, yeah, that sounds that sounds great. Uh, yeah, and and as far as music goes, are you are you musical at all? Do you play an instrument? I don't play. I did play the French horn in high school. You know? uh, it's not something that you just eh, pick up and I'll just 
dabble with that now. But how did that happen? I wanted to play something different than everybody else was doing. And we, okay. you know, you could choose like a musical, like in middle school, you had to choose either band or orchestra or choir or whatever. I chose band and said, well, let's do French horn. It's different than everybody else. It's a great instrument as it turns out. I loved it, Nice, but it's also not, it, it's not marching band friendly. It's also mm-hmm. not very braces friendly. Uh, oh. I, it has a tiny little mouthpiece and I had braces. And then we moved when I was a sophomore year in high school from Indiana to Kansas Went from this 4,000 kid high school to one that was about 800 kids. And the music programs were differing to say the least. Sure, and the, yeah. the band instructor really didn't have much to offer for French horn. I, you know, I, I had a private tutor in, in, in Indianapolis and in Kansas. I didn't have one. Just, I, I, I fell out of it. I kind of regret not being able to do that anymore. I, I couldn't carry a tune now, but uh, it was cool. For a little well, bit. first of all, your your teeth look great. Oh, so, thanks. Uh, you got the braces. I uh, and I would it would take everything out of me not to try and play the French horn with an accent. That that is just just what I would do. I know that sounds impossible to have you know play an instrument with a French accent, but that's just that's just what I would do. I'd find a way. You'd have some verb to it. Yeah, you know, a little bit, just a little bit of liaison in there. You know, just just mm-hmm. kind of give it some some character. But let me so, ask you, what do you play? Yeah. Do you uh, play, I play guitar. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I I got into it when I was about sixteen, seventeen. Okay. And I just I got hooked. I uh, my my dad um convinced me I was playing Led Zeppelin. Just by playing, you know, E, A, and D, and I was just oh I'm I'm out. No, I thought uh, I thought there was a moment in my life, naively, that mm-hmm. I was gonna play guitar for the rest of my life. Like I thought that that was the thing. Because I had no other direction out of college. Sure. I uh, but uh but yeah, two bands later that were never going to make it and uh, stopped doing that. So I, I I noodle and I every so often I whip out the electric. But uh, but it's nice to have a, a musical avenue. I feel. Yeah. Um. And and do you do you do any karaoke or anything like that? To, to he- heavens out? no, I wouldn't inflict that on anybody <laughs> there. But no. what was the last time you sung a song proper, Jeff? <sighs> proper. Yeah, I mean, just like you know what, I'm singing a song today. Mm, can't can't tell you. I don't know. Happy Maybe birthday does not not does th- that not doesn't count. Ca- no, it doesn't count. I mean, we did a karaoke thing with my wife's family one time. That was fun. I belted okay. out a little Sinatra for that, but uh, I'm not surprised. Sinatra seems like what you would get. It's nice and it, it's smooth, and you don't have to feel like it's you to put on classic. Like and you know, yeah. we were there's older people in the audience. You know, sure, of course, sure. the kids didn't care, but uh, they did. And you know. It didn't really get that much of a reception. Then my kids belting out the Taylor Swift song or whatever. It was a lot better received, but good for them. I would would have given you a standing ovation. Don't know how it would have sounded. In French, of course. Yes, in French. uh, Bravo. Uh, It would would have been um, been a moment. And for that moment, you get the ovation, good or bad. Uh, So nothing like in the shower or something like that. Mm, Not that I'm aware of. No. All right. And uh, and what kind of music do you listen to? Um, I listen to a lot of alternative rock, a lot of like, you know, first wave on uh, Sirius XM. I listen to a lot. My favorite band is They Might Be Giants, though. I'm a total nerd, oh, really? but that's right. Uh, Weezer uh, and Wilco. I like them a lot. Uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of different stuff. So I, it's, I wouldn't say I have I'm, I have an interesting wide range of t- uh, taste, but I, I, I think I have. You know, I'll listen to 90s hip hop every once in a while, sure. probably not well versed in current stuff, but so it goes. Hey, I did a cover of Only in Dreams. All right. Okay. So, uh, 
Nice. I, I I was surprised. Like my my uh, my bandmates introduced that song. I never heard it before, and it's like I never thought of Weezer as I don't know a a, a like heavy guitar sound. Oh, but um, it is. But it is. It's, I was yeah. like, this is this sounds great. And, you know, I tried to replicate it as much as I could. Uh, Does, isn't uh, say it isn't so or uh, like a huge hit in Garage Band? Oh, maybe I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, maybe are you thinking of Guitar Hero? Guitar Hero. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, Rosman was fun though. I remember messing around with that a ton in, in yeah. high school and middle school and everything. Uh, but uh, all right, so so past the music side, other entertainment of of uh, film and TV. Do you watch that? I mean, it sounds like you have such a busy schedule that you don't really have much time for this. We stuff. watch some stuff. Like we just, you know, we're into Ted Lasso. Uh, okay. Love been watching that. I was late, a late convert. Only started watching. You know, I, I caught up on season one like three or four weeks ago. Um, and just zip through it like in four days with my wife. I haven't seen a single thing. Oh, it's great. I, I, it's I great. Hearing about it. I don't have Apple TV. So, well, I, that I was my big, it, honestly, that was my big, uh, resistance, uh, was mm. yet another thing, the stream, another streaming platform, like right, screw right. Peacock. I'm still, so at, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm still mad at, yeah, I'm still mad at NBC for like forcing like good events on Peacock, you know, like the, like right. the premier league. And now the, the Olympics, like the men's yeah. basketball, like, yeah. Oh, poor you. Your ratings are down. It's because you're screwing with the, the viewer all the time. But uh, it, I know they need to make money, but it seems like they're just they're, they're screwing people like that. But it, it's it's wild. I mean, I'm not going to say anything uh, illuminating for anybody, but, you know, we go from cable. Where we're spending, what, fifty six dollars, sixty dollars a month for everything. And they say, no, mm-hmm. we want a la carte. So then we get that. But then we find ourselves spending Ninety to hundred, yes. To get everything yeah. on the a la carte, and it's just a worse situation. At least we have the autonomy, you know. Yeah, the at least you think you do kind of, until you can't yeah. do it without it. And then, well, I mean, at least uh, the ability to say like, I want to watch this thing now, you know, and I can watch mm-hmm. the next episode, and you can binge through things. Like at least before we had to say, okay, Sunday at ten, you have to go watch this or put in all the DVDs that you purchased for this. Um, and it's kind of nice to say like, all right, I don't if I if I love a show, I don't have to get what a hundred dollars worth of dvds yeah i remember when you i remember when netflix was dvd and you had to mail it in um and all the you know oh my god and there was a whole thing when they shut down that that service and it goes what this is crazy and like yeah guys that's not actually i think it still maybe exists but no one talks about that uh like like if you search for things they'll say like oh dvd only and like what what do you mean right that's that's right a thing why would that be though? It seems like it would be easier to have it stream than to have well, to deal with the actual physical DVDs. Well, so that's, that's I'm sure that has to do with the licensing. Uh, Netflix doesn't yeah. have the SVOD license, right? Streaming video on demand. They just have the the physical license. Mm. Uh, so, so that's a that, whole other can of worms. <laughs> This is why I'm just a recovering attorney, not actually an attorney. Uh, there you go. Um, I, have, I have weird experience with the whole SVOD thing just because of um, uh, stuff I do on the side for a film distribution company or actually like a streaming distribution company, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have, I have a lot of experience with SVOD and AVOD and all that stuff. Gotcha. But uh, I, yeah, it, it's, it's just not the same, you know. So I got I to gotta find Ted Lasso somehow, apparently. Uh, I've yeah. Heard everybody talk about this. It's, uh, it's worth it. Just got to watch it. And the timing of it was great. I mean, there are, there's a lot of, a lot of negative things going on in the world right now. Oh yeah. This is a very positive show. It's, but not like corner, cornerly. So it's, it's just, we'd both be okay with that. I would think. Yeah. A little bit, you know, 
but it's super clever. It's it's really clever. Nice. And it's uh, short. It's like 30 minute episodes. So, okay, that that sounds actually nice because uh, I try to there are a lot of really good shows that are 45 to an hour long mm-hmm. and I don't feel right watching that during my lunch. Like I want to keep things going. Uh, so having a good 30 minutes. Okay. I think, I think that could work out really, really well. Um, yeah. You know, one thing I did want to bring up during this was uh, your pun game is phenomenal. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's, it's, it sets the tone for all of us. And I'm curious among all the years. And I, I, I know the answer is no, but I'm going to ask anyway, is there that one pun that you're just most proud of? Oh, like you made so I'm sure there is. We all but have I short can't. memories of these because we can't we can't dwindle or like just just stay on that or dwell on it really uh, because it'll just get too much. But there's got to be one that really stuck with. I'm me. sure there's a few that stuck the landing that I'm pretty proud of, but uh, <laughs> they're uh, they're all fleeting though, right? I mean, that's that's the whole sure. thing. Well, yeah. You know who else is really good at punning um, is Mike Gianella. He, his right? game is strong uh, <laughs> you know, from baseball perspectives. Uh, if you oh, see yeah. it, you know, um, you know, he, he, br- he brings it. He, he really mm-hmm. brings the punts, but uh, no, I don't, I'm sure out there. There's, there's a couple that you, know, you, you bring it up and make, Oh yeah, I'll do that. But uh, uh, well, okay. So, so I mean, I, I think, I think a top five for me over the years is the Joe Musgrove on. Yeah. And I, I feel like I will never come up with a better Joe Musgrove pond in my life. I like, you know, with every player, there's that one that's just like, that's it. Like, we've done it. We can, we can close the book, move (laughs) on. Next guy, there's an answer. We don't know what it is, but with Joe, we got, we got him all taken care of already. Yes. Yes. Um, But that, you know. I think the player has to inspire you, though. I mean, he was such a source of angst. I mean, you just, you wanted to to, to, just because he'd show these glimpses like, yeah, I know he's good. But then he does that and sticks the knife to us there. Yeah, but. that was the September's of 2018 and 19. And we're always just so great for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but no, we're not going to do that. Not going to not going to devolve into baseball. No, no content. No, no content no. allowed. No different content today. This is Nick Pollock and friends we're talking about. Right. Um, all right. So so I, I mentioned it before to you and I am really curious. Uh, do you have any sort of mantras that you live by? Anything that's like, you know what? I think it's important to, to live my way, my life this way. Or just you know lessons that you learned that you really stick to. Um, I I don't think so, but I would probably you know I, I try to be nice, just try to be nice to people, try to be understanding of where they're coming from, try to see like if you even if you disagree with them, like why? Uh, see like there's a belief that everyone in their own eyes sees themselves as doing what's right. You know, maybe, you know, by living by whatever code they are, that it makes sense to them. I mean, there, there's exceptions, obviously, and you know, we can get cynical really quick. But I tend to think for the most part, maybe not always in the public sphere, but 98 percent of the time, people are genuinely good and genuine. And, you know, they, they want to live their life by whatever their code is. Well, we may see it differently than them, but I, I don't think it's uh, the, I don't think the world's a cesspool. I think most of us try are trying to do the right thing out here. So I'm I'm gonna make it easy. It's see the good. Yeah. Uh, there there it is. There, there there's you your go. mantra. Um, you can frame this. You can do yes. whatever you want with those three wo- words. You can make it a letter mm-hmm. C, and then comma the good. I don't know what you want if you're saying they're passing a class. Uh, C the good. Uh, 
but uh, that's that, that there there it is for Were you trying to work on your pun game there a little absolutely. bit absolutely always right, oh nice. no in front of you jeff i gotta impress all of a sudden i gotta bring out the big guns i don't know um <laughs> but all right so I, I i like that a lot i mean i i i, I absolutely understand where you know if you if you try to you know the whole phrase like walk a mile in their shoes now you're a mile when you have their shoes but no it's 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 more about everybody has a reason for what they're doing mm-hmm. um if you can grasp what that reason is um where you know where that what that perspective is you can you can understand and have that conversation in a better way um one of mine is steps not leaps in that way of take sure. steps with them you know, don't make them take a leap and a jump of faith you know, that you don't want to take either. You got to take steps with them and understand, okay, this is where they are. Like, how can, if I, if I feel so strongly that they need to come towards where I am, then take the steps with them towards that. Um, or sometimes you just don't like, oh, right. I understand their thing. I got to take the step forward too. Right. Uh, so, so that's a, that's a very good message. I like that a lot, Jeff. Um, moving along. I want, I want to find out everything about you. So favorite food. Um, yeah, the fact that I don't have a snap call is kind of weird, but, uh, <laughs> I guess it kind of depends on what I'm in the mood for there. I'd say uh, my go-to place right now for like a birthday dinner would be, uh, like this place that has great, these great braised short ribs. Um, mm. and, but you know, no, I, I don't have like a specific, Oh, that's my go-to every well, time. Okay. So would you call yourself a foodie then? No. I wouldn't. Right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. My daughter is more of a foodie than I am. My 14 year old, she makes her own meals already a lot of times. And oh, that's great. she's way into it. And my two kids couldn't be more different. One is wow. more just food's a source of fuel and that's it. And, you know, my younger one is like, oh, I love this, love that and all that. And, right. I would, I would 100%. If people told me, Nick, to be a completely healthy individual, you just have these pills every day, I would do that. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I would. I would just. I would just be happy with that. I wouldn't worry about it. I would be great. I just want to go off and do more things. And food does not need to be the the main event of today uh, for me. Uh, but sadly, it's not the case. You can't. Yeah, I like a good like meal though too. I like sure. the whole point I, of like sitting down with someone and you oh, know, yeah, having okay. a, you know and dining. I like that. Right. Yeah. But well, that makes I, a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's it's. It, uh, I, I, don't get me wrong. I enjoy eating. Like, of mm-hmm. course, I mean, I, I'm a human and we are trained to enjoy these things right. uh, for obvious reasons. But yeah, in the process of dining, dining, it sounds like to me, that's really more of just a social thing, less so yeah. of just the actual act itself uh, of consuming. Yeah. Uh, I, have so a, like, I have a bad sweet tooth. tooth. I have a really big oh, sweet yeah. tooth. So I've had know, I'd say a mint that. chocolate chip shake is like an ice cream mm. milkshake is just, yeah. Okay. I'm there for you're, that. You're a mint chocolate chip guy. I, I can see it. I, I, yeah. I got it. I, yeah. I see it. Yeah. That's a good call. Um, <laughs> generally when I go for that stuff, I'm like, give me everything. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to get like chocolate fudge brownie. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave me some fudge on the side with that. Like let's go in on it. Cause I'm not going to do this very often if at all. So might as well experience all of it in one giant, uh, dopamine rush. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, what was your first job that you had? Paperboy. Uh, I was like really? 12 year old, uh, 11 or 12 year old. I used to deliver newspapers in my neighborhood. Uh, you know, get up at 530 in the morning, have about 40, 50 houses on my route and all that. And back then you had to put it like under, like in the door or under the mat or however. Right, and then right. you had you to hide it. 
once a week or once every two weeks, I'd have to go door to door to collect the money and then give the money back to the, you know, this is Indianapolis, Indiana, give it to the Indianapolis star and you get your cut on top. Like they, they, you pay for the papers and you get whatever you make sure if you don't collect, you don't get paid basically. Right. Right. Uh, But if you were really diligent, you got a good amount of overage and sometimes they tip you if you're good at it and all that. And you know, got to learn a little responsibility that way. Uh, First, like, Real job, like uh, like going to an employer. Uh, Montgomery Wards used to sell paint and uh, wall pa- uh, paint, right. wallpaper, and graduated over to like exercise equipment and lawnmowers uh, wow. and all that at the mall. And that was a good job. Sure. Uh, I've had some crappy jobs. I uh, worked uh, one year in a summer, uh, this company, a factory, uh, they put together those two wheel hand carts you used to roll your garbage cans out to, uh, in and or, yeah, or whatever heavy stuff. I put the tires together. I dip my hands in the solution, inflate it, put it on this axle, and move it on oh, to the wow. next station. Someone's got to do this, it, I guess. Yeah. Three thirty to midnight, no air conditioning. Uh, this is oh, a horrible man. summer job when I was in college. Made my hands peel. It was good stuff. Oh, um, God. Made me realize, okay, I better do well in school because I don't <laughs> want to do this. And sure, you know, yeah. you, you got to be careful because some people that is their job, you know, right. and you know, hey, there's honor in all work, but. At the same time, God, I don't want to do this. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, so you, you had had my wide. I had some pretty wide experiences. Mm-hmm. And man, I mean, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit something to you, Jeff. That I don't often admit. Um, you're a paper boy. I assume you didn't do that just jogging in the morning. You did that on your your bike, right? I no, I'd walk. Uh, You'd walk. I, I, so what what happens is you have like this thing you put over your head uh, mm-hmm. and you stuff all as many papers as you can. Well, first thing you do is to deliver it to you in this big stack. Sometimes you had to stuff the ads into the paper and then put them into your bib and then you okay. go door to door. And it was too heavy to really go on a bike. Um, mm. And especially when you're having to go do- literally door to door and not just drop it in the driveway either. Oh, man. So, so I mean, so, so I, I'm assuming, of course, though, in, in uh, Indiana that. The second you learn how to ride your bike, it was just like freedom for you that you yeah. can now go everywhere and do the stuff, right? Well, yeah, we used to do a hell of a lot more. Like I could go, you know, when I had a bike and go to the baseball card shop two miles away, cross these major roads, no problem. Right, now right, right. my kids tried to do that. Like well, you went where, <laughs> you know, you can't even just like walk out the door and say, you're going over to a friend's house. You'll be back, be home before dinner. It's like, no, we schedule play dates for your kids or whatever. And that's not as much now for at this age, but you know, they never did that. Yeah, I yeah. uh, so I uh, I never finished learning how to ride my bike. Really? Uh, yeah. You know, they say like, oh, it's just like riding a bike, and I go, well, I'm so sorry, then I'm not going to be able to do this. Uh, <laughs> it, it was just one of those things where I, I think I started a little bit later, and then I uh, and then my dad uh, tore his Achilles. Uh, so Ouch. he couldn't he couldn't help with it, obviously, and it just kind of went to the wayside. And then we tried a little bit when I was older, but then like I, I like I wanted the pads, but then I didn't want the pads. You gotta learn young. It's like skiing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then uh, and then it just never happened. And uh, it's one of those things. Like if I was on a bike now, give me like thirty minutes. I I'm pretty sure I could figure this out. Yeah, you know, I, I I trust my athletic ability enough to do mm-hmm. it, but I never did it. I never actually learned how to ride a bike. I never had that moment of like, okay, I'm on my bike and going to my friend's place or, or whatever it is that a lot of people are familiar with. I mean, then again, like in Brooklyn, I, uh, you know, none of my friends really did that. Well, I was just gonna say, I didn't know where you grew up. Did you grow up like in a pretty urban area? Oh yeah. 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 Here, so here it's in not, Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. You can't just like 
go down the block readily because there's all sorts of traffic. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly, it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in suburbia, different. you know, yeah, and right. it's a completely different, uh, different experience for sure. But I, uh, but even like going to the park, you know, riding the bike around there uh, when I was younger, I do remember that. I remember like one or two moments, like riding it without anything. And then that was it. That's all I have. Okay. okay. So I uh, never, never had it. And, uh, you know, I would, I mean, I guess I would have been just a fine paper boy though. Uh, I would have yeah. worn that bib super well with pride and with, with absolute pride. E- exactly that. Um, so yeah, so growing up in Indiana, what did, uh, what did your parents do? What was that like for you? Um, so my dad worked for a company called NCR. Uh, there's, there's, they still exist. It used to be called national cash register. Then they got into computer computers. My dad sold like mainframes to hospitals and banks and things like that. The whole word mainframe doesn't even exist anymore, but, uh, you know, um, it was great. I loved Indy. You know, the Indy 500 was there. Uh, we had a very kid friendly neighborhood. Um, I I liked Indiana a lot. It it was a good place to grow up. I, I didn't know any better. Uh, moved to Kansas first day of sophomore year of high school. Hated that. Hated We're having to move. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just moving. I'm, I wasn't the most outgoing kid. Uh, I had a hard time, you know, probably making friends right away. And I kind of was forced to be a little bit more outgoing a little bit. It was probably one of those things in the long run. It was one of the better things that happened in my life, but I didn't view it as such at the time. I was like, here I am stranded in a place I've never been in four States over from where we lived. You know, and with, you know, and just no, no close friends all of a sudden. And, you know, it was a place where I, I probably, you know, other people probably could adapt to that quicker. I didn't have too many close friends in high school. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most of my friends are from college and beyond uh, because of that. But uh, it was, it was, it was, it was a change. Nothing against Kansas or, you know, Wichita, Kansas. My parents are still there. I just didn't fit in very well there. Sure. Uh, and uh, and and kind of sandwiching this podcast a little bit with RotoWire, I, there there are a couple more things I, I I wanted to bring up or really ask you about because it's, it's it's a really remarkable thing that you've done. Um, and along the way, I mean, you've been doing this for over twenty years now. Yeah. I uh, what what kind of decisions did you make that you look back and you think you know what, I wish I kind of did that differently that you've since learned on or learned from and applied moving forward. Well, one is I wish I would have done. Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm glad it didn't. It, it worked out the way it did, but I wish I would have applied myself better in law school. Hmm. I felt like I just got by. I got right. through. You know, there's times I had my moments of clarity where I thought I did well, but I wasn't into it. And I spent a decent chunk of money and I became a better writer because of that. And it probably applies to now. Uh, but had I really gone after it, had I gone after jobs better, who knows what happened. But then again, then I wouldn't have this. I wouldn't, you know. And everything that's followed since then, and it's one of those things, sliding doors, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And 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 like inside the the you know the inside the company of RotoWire, I mean, you guys had to make all these kind of decisions often around mm-hmm. what you do and other people as well. Was there one that you think, ah, oh, you know what? I wish we had adapted this sooner, or we went for this thing and didn't actually turn into the thing that we uh, we expected it would be. I mean, we could have been in on the ground floor of DFS. Uh, sure. There was a friend of ours uh, invested in us, and you know, we still we still work with them a little uh, a little bit. I play golf with them actually, and hmm. he and a partner, a guy named John Zaleski. I don't know if you've heard that name before. Uh, he did a lot of head to head fantasy baseball stuff way back in the day. They came up with this DFS game, and it didn't really take off. And maybe it didn't have the right funding, but. Had we pushed that a little harder, who knows where we would have been? I mean, they could have been 
you know, on the, a FanDuel or DraftKings, or it could have been one of those te- companies that got bought up by FanDuel or DraftKings for that matter. But yeah, I wonder if we would have thrown more resources in that. Had I personally become thrown more into being an analyst about that, I just, at the time, I was like, oh, daily? That Baseball is not a daily game. Right. You know, it's, it, it, and it's still kind of like on the edge as far as that goes, but. It's uh yes and no. I mean, I understand. Like I do, I do rankings every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that I just think for general fantasy, not necessarily for a, a DFS game. But it, it's yeah, it is it's such a hundred sixty two games. Actually, for us, it's like hundred and eighty. Yeah. I uh, and it's, it's the idea like no fantasy baseball is supposed to be done methodically. Trust the process, and to wrap it right. all up in one day is just ah, this isn't this doesn't feel right at all. Uh, I feel though it is a skill. It's just, oh, sure. it's a different skill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and last question I wanted to ask really was what's ahead for you. I, uh, you know, we all are, are enjoying what we're doing, but still you have to think about, okay, is there something that I want to be doing instead? And how, you know, you've been going at this for a while is, yeah. uh, how long, how long do you want to do exactly this? Are there different things that you want to ascend to? I'm kind of curious what you, you want your future to look like. That's a great question. And it's one that we're kind of, grappling with a little bit as a whole as at rotowire because we've all been in that and we're you know i just turned 50 this year it, you know you start to look about okay how much longer do i want to do this how much are we going to do this i love what i do i feel like i've hit a sweet spot right now too i get to focus more on the media aspect of the job and some writing and less on the personnel management aspect of the job uh, which i think suits my talents better or and my you know what i'm wired to do better uh but i don't know are my partners always going to want to do this forever also i mean i i can't imagine having a real job ever again you know i i want to do something in this space i think for the rest of my working career and you know i see some some some, someone like ron chandler who's been doing this even longer than i have and he's found a way to continue to make it work and he's reinvented himself a couple of times and i i think that's that's inspiring I, i want to be in this business 10, 15 years from now, just because I love what I do. I love what I get to talk about. I love sports. Maybe I'll, I'll change my tune someday and I want to say, what am I talking about? Sports? Sports don't even matter. Maybe I'll say that someday, but I don't see that. Uh, right now, I love what I do. That's great. Uh, well, then, then you know, just keep doing that for as long as you can, right? Yeah. Uh, well, Jeff, I know you have such a busy schedule today. I, I yeah. got to do you a, a service of holding onto those vocal cords as much as you can. Okay. Because uh, I've done these... <laughs> I've done the full day of streaming or everything before, and it's taken me days to recover from it. So I'm going to give you a rest here. I can't thank you enough for being a part of this. Uh, Before we go, I want you to give uh, or just plug everything that you're doing uh, so that people can find everything uh, that you put out on the internet. Absolutely. Thank And it's been an honor joining you, too. I, I, I love the work that you do. And uh, I'm just, hey, I was, I was psyched to get the invite. So um, Rotowire, obviously, is what we do. Uh, Rotowire.com slash free. Get your free 10-day trial if you want to check it out, you want to subscribe. But try it for free first. There's no credit card. We're not going to like automatically subscribe. You just check us out. See if you like it. If you like it, subscribe. Uh, catch me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson, as you see right in front of you. Um, and you can hit, hit us, uh, hit me on XM Sirius XM fantasy, uh, or on the RotoWire podcast. I'm in a lot of places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for being here today. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode of Nick Pollock and Friends. It's every other Wednesday morning. You can check out a new episode. Um, that's going to do it for today's episode. And that was my friend, Jeff Erickson. <laughs>